Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Tuesday, May 1st, 2018. Back here again with another weekly recap of Monday Night Raw. Last night was... I'll tell you, it was electric there up in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. That, every time they go to Montreal, that crowd is electric. It, it's kind of a, almost like a post-WrestleMania crowd where it's like Bizarro Land. You never know who they're going to cheer, who they're going to boo, but they come passionate each and every time and sort of become uh, one of the stars of the show. I mean, you, you look at how... Raw began last night when Roman Reigns came out to discuss his loss to Brock Lesnar on uh, Friday afternoon in Saudi Arabia. And the venom and the hatred coming from that crowd toward Roman Reigns was just off the charts. You could feel it coming, popping through your television set. You know, Roman came out to uh, discuss uh, his match at at the greatest Royal Rumble and how the referee made the wrong call. And, you know, we all saw it. Even though Brock Lesnar went through the cage, he was laying on the cage uh, wall while Roman Reigns' feet had hit and the, the referee, Chad Padden, had uh, made the wrong call. So Roman was coming out to discuss that when uh, um, instead Samoa Joe from SmackDown had briefly appeared on the big screen to trash talk him prior to their main event match coming up on Sunday at Backlash. Um, you know, you wonder, oh, what are they going to do with Roman tonight to continue building uh, toward that match? Well, you saw, once again, uh, how insane Montreal can be because first, Jim Hall comes out to confront him, and then the two... Uh, Canadian-born kids in uh, Kevin Owens and the hometown guy in uh, Sami Zayn come out and confront him. And the crowd just exploded when Zayn uh, came out. Remember, Sami Zayn had made his debut in Montreal about three years ago, accepting the John Cena Open Challenge for the U.S. title. And this reaction was even bigger than that one. You know, when they when all three guys attacked him, you knew they were going to set up some kind of uh, six-man tag for later in the evening. They weren't just going to have Roman get beat down like that. But it was a su- surprise who they had come out to help him. One being Bobby Lashley, who it, it kind of feels like they've been throwing him in the mix here without a real plan. Because at first, when when he uh, had... had uh, returned he came out and attacked Elias and they didn't build upon that anymore now the last couple of weeks he was in that 10-man tag team matchup to main event raw two weeks ago last week he teamed with Braun to take on Sammy and Kevin uh, as a way for Kurt Angle to have Sammy and Kevin to get their asses kicked and now he's coming out and helping out Roman Reigns in in a spot where he's being taken out by three uh no heel main eventers and now I was glad that Mahal was part of this segment because the last couple of weeks I've felt like uh Jinder's fallen back to the same spot that he was prior to last year's superstar shakeup. He loses the U.S. title after eight days and then um, loses to Jeff Hardy on Friday afternoon in his rematch. But it, instead, he he's coming out in a prominent role to the, the, the start of Monday Night Raw and them 
part of the big six-man tag match later on, which Braun Strowman was then added to when he came out and uh, took out everybody. And when did you, you ever think a year ago at this time that you would ever see a time where Braun Strowman was coming out to help Roman Reigns? And not just that, that the two of them would team together in a, a six-man tag team matchup later in the night where you know, the heels, they had their moments uh, uh, where they each uh, were taking down Reigns, taking down uh, Bobby Lashley. But once again, as usual, when, when Strowman gets in the ring, um, he just uh, takes out everyone. I mean, second week in a row, he's running around the ring like a freight train, running over uh, Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn, just absolutely hysterical. I mean, as long as no one, again, legitimately hurt, it's funny to laugh at uh, what Braun does. And, you know, with the way the... I said this on Saturday during our recap for the greatest Royal Rumble, and I'll say this again, but the way that the crowd reacts to Roman negatively, the way the crowd reacts to Braun so positively, and that it doesn't feel forced, that it's come uh, very natural, his reaction. Braun Strowman now should be the guy that takes down Brock Lesnar eventually for the Universal Championship. It, it just feels like such a natural fit. Plus, he came close on... Several different occasions over the last year of beating Brock Lesnar has only gotten one uh, singles match against him. And I felt that that, that match uh, left the door open for a lot more in the future between those two guys. And everyone, as everyone knows, whenever Brock loses that title, he's probably going to run off again to the UFC. So why not have... Braun Strowman be the guy that takes down the beast, and then he'll uh, always be looked at as the guy that took down and chased Brock Lesnar out of WWE. Because everyone knows as soon as Brock loses the title, A, he's leaving for UFC, and B, there likely won't be a rematch. So that that would be a great, uh, no. Not that he needs the push, but great thing to add on to Braun Strowman's uh, growing legacy early on in his career. No, just something for the writers to uh, possibly think about, especially when you see each and every week the reaction this guy gets and the fact that he's just so damn dominant out there throwing people around. Why not have him be the Beast Slayer? For the second week in a row, you had Bobby Lashley going up against Elias. And i got to give Elias his due here. He has, over the last year since coming up to Monday Night Raw, just gotten better and better as an in-ring competitor. He's not just some annoying guy on the microphone that happens to come out and play guitar and uh, piss off and insult every city he goes to. The guy can actually get it done in the ring. You see a variance in his ring style, his uh, moveset. Every single time he comes out, he he keeps growing as a character. And now, these kind of gimmicky characters, usually they grow stale after a while, but he's been able to evolve the character 
as far as an in-ring performer and uh, keeps adding fresh new moves to his arsenal. And it, it works, especially when you're going up against a veteran like uh, Bobby Roode. Now, the been interesting the way they've booked Roode in his uh, first couple weeks here on Raw. He he makes the debut during that 10-man tag two weeks ago. Then last week, his first match on Raw, he uh, loses to Elias by a cheap victory. And then this week, they have a um, another back-and-forth match, kind of, kind of an interesting match. I figured they would have saved the rematch between the two of them for Backlash or the night after Backlash. I thought this would have been more of a night where, you know, Elias was insulting Canada, Bobby Roode comes out to confront him and, and defend him, and then, you know, maybe they either saved the rematch between the two of them for Backlash or for next week on Monday Night Raw, but, you know, they have another uh, back-and-forth match b- between the two of them, and this one had kind of an awkward ending to it with, uh, you know, Elias pulling Bobby Roode on the ring apron right into uh, the exposed ring post, uh, causing him to clutch his throat on the outside and, and gasp for air. They they kind of uh, left you with a, a weird film there. Like, obviously, you know, Bobby is hurt there, but uh, for, I guess for the live crowd, they couldn't really tell uh, at the time that, oh, Bobby got pulled into the exposed uh, uh, ring turnbuckle, and that's why he was clutching his throat, even though it hit more off his chest. So that was... You know, just a, a weird way to end that segment, and I'm I'm not really sure where this rivalry is going now. Now does it it play into a whole thing where oh Bobby's hurt and Elias is bragging about it, or maybe Bobby comes back and reve- gets revenge and hurts Elias's throat, so um, it causes Elias not to sing. Maybe maybe that's the route they go. But you now l- last night's segment match between the two of them the. the just kind of weird ending there um, without a decisive uh, winner. You figured that maybe they have Bobby get uh, the cheap win off Elias like Elias did last week and then Elias attack him and leave him injured, not have the match end in a no contest as it did. Every week they seem to have uh, no at least one or two segments where it's kind of just a space filler used as a way to build up someone as even more impressive. And that's what last night was with uh, the Authors of Pain going up against two enhancement talents known as Gene Paul and uh, Francois, I think his name was. And the, you know, the, the match lasted all of about uh, a minute and a half uh, just to... Once again, proved the dominance of the authors of pain. They sent a couple of jobbers out there that were from Canada to just get a cheap pop. And afterwards, they have the authors of pain uh, speak on the microphone. Though with uh, Razor, could, could they please uh, give me some you know, subtitles? Because sometimes he's not even speaking in English with uh, what he's uh, saying here. So, you no. Know, that segment was just more or less to build them up 
by flattening a couple jobbers, especially when uh, the Raw Tag Team division isn't at its deepest right now. I mean, you, you think about it, you got uh, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, uh, the Destroyers of Worlds, um, as your Raw Tag Team champions. And then, you know, who else you got? You're the Revival, Breezango, Heath Slater, and Rhino. Um, you know, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler, although they're not really concerned on being in the tag team division. They're just more concerned about uh, proving their dominance over people and showing that uh, the show revolves around uh, them. Kind of, you know, kind of a slow build up before they get them involved in more of a, you know, upper uh, mid-card uh, rivalry. And, you know, so they've got to figure out more with this raw tag team division. That's why it... If they could ever possibly get uh, the Hype Brothers back together, I know they just broke them up last summer, That maybe that adds another team to Raw, and then you have something useful for Ryder and and Mojo Raleigh to do other than just be on, uh, on main event every week. But no, there's, there's got to be... Uh, something more they can do with the authors of pain to build them up rather than just go out there and, and beat up a couple of guys that are all the bucks 60 uh, each and every single week to really get over their dominance to the Monday Night Raw crowd. Through the first couple of weeks that they've been on Monday Night Raw, I've felt that the Riot Squad has been handled a lot better than they were in four months on SmackDown. Yeah, they always cause a lot of chaos, were um, in the midst of things, causing problems for Naomi, Becky Lynch, Charlotte. Essentially had the, the entire SmackDown women's division against them. But every single time it came to getting in that big match, they lost. Whether it was you know, six man t- six woman tag matches, excuse me, against the uh, three aforementioned uh, women on SmackDown, or when they faced uh, Charlotte for the women's title, they never had that win to put them over the top and exude their uh, level as uh, being the top women's group on SmackDown or top women's group in all of the WWE. Well, these first couple weeks, you, you look at what they've done. They they appear on the shakeup uh, and attack uh, Sasha and Bailey during their match on Raw. Or you know, last week, they're part of the main event of uh, Monday Night Raw and get the, the win after Ronda Rousey caused a disqualification with her attack on Mickey James. Now this week, uh, Ruby Riot is in one of the featured women's matches against Sasha Banks on Raw. And you know, the boss was able to uh, outwork Ruby early on, but the the numbers game caught up to her eventually with uh, Morgan and Logan uh, as they lurked around the ring, always uh, teasing again the ring, distracting the referee, especially when Banks had the Banks statement locked in on uh, Ruby Riot. And, you know, the, Sasha then went to town on both of them, running off the apron uh, right at uh, at Liv Morgan, leaving Liv Morgan laying there looking like she was dead, then taking out Sarah Logan only for the numbers game to eventually catch up to her to allow 
uh, Ruby Riot to get the victory over Sasha. And no, they did a couple things here. A, they give a nice victory for Riot over one of the top women's wrestlers on uh, the brand. B, continues to it show the, the advantage that that group has in the numbers game, having uh, them know without actually getting physically involved, being there as a distraction for any opponents and allowing Riot to get the, the big win there. Also, uh, what they did is they continued to uh, pl- uh, slowly play up the rivalry between uh, Banks and, and Bailey because you had uh, Bailey watching uh, ba- the match uh, backstage here. So that they continued the, the slow route to this, which hopefully eventually has a big payoff with uh, one of those rare one-on-one women's matches on a pay-per-view that's not even for a championship. It, it's very rare now that we're going to get to see those considering the fact that they've gone a route that I'm not very much in favor of, and that's having every pay-per-view be a co-branded pay-per-view. I, I personally enjoyed when it would be, I'll say, Raw would have uh, Backlash and No Mercy to itself, and then SmackDown would have something like Battleground or tables, ladders, and chairs are fast lane all to itself because that gave some of these, uh, I don't want to say smaller rivalries, but no, not as big picture rivalries that aren't for championships, uh, a chance uh, to uh, have their presence felt on a pay-per-view. But no, the, the segment served its purpose, um, continued to build up uh, the probably the top women's rivalry uh, on the brand right now and uh, uh, put over the Riot Squad in the process, which uh, was a difficult thing for them to have happen to them when they were part of SmackDown Live. I still don't quite understand what they're trying to pull off here with these moments of bliss each of the last couple weeks where Alexa is uh, talking about Nia Jax claiming that her former friend was uh, bullying her. Like last night, they have her do one where she talks about uh, a trip the two made to Disneyland claiming that Nia had uh, bullied and insulted her like um, saying that she was too small to ride the teacup ride or when they were at the... um, they're getting food that uh, she uh, told the waiter to give uh, Alexa the kids meal menu. Just not sure what that's supposed to pl- play up there. And for the last eight months, it had been Alexa that was always bossing Naya around, uh, belittling her. And now they're going to try and make us uh, believe that uh Alexa had uh, always felt bullied by Nia Jax. Not quite sure uh, how they're trying to get that one over, trying to pull that one uh, over with uh, the crowd. It just, it feels like another space filler and no uh, way to uh, build up their rivalry without her actually having a match against Nia or being... uh, 
involved in any sort of physical confrontation. Now, this wouldn't be the only time we saw uh, Alexa last night as she was in the corner of her friend Mickey James's match against Natalia, and Natalia had uh, Ronda Rousey uh, ringside with her. And you know, what's funny is Natalia comes out, her music starts playing, and the crowd does not react until they see um, Rhonda also come out from behind the curtain to accompany her to uh, the ring. You, you might as well have just played uh, uh, Rhonda's music if you were going to have her come out for the match because she was more over in, um, during this match than any of uh, the girls that were involved in it. And, you know, that there was uh, distractions throughout the match, whether it be Bliss coming on uh, the apron to distract Natalia so Mickey could attack her uh, injured knee from last week again. Or, uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, pull cheap shots here or there, only for Ronda to then start chasing Alexa around the ring. It, it almost felt like... One of the uh, you know, Braun Strowman uh, segments where you figured, oh, at some point she's going to run her down and and just take her out. And you know, Alexa did a good job of avoiding Ronda through the match, but it, it caused enough of a distraction toward Mickey in the end to allow uh, Natalia to uh, pick up the victory there. Only for then... Nia Jax to emerge to tease uh, attacking Bliss... And uh, instead, uh, uh, Bliss uh, ran out of there through the crowd, tr still trying to play up the whole idea that Nia Jax is a bully. But we saw something very interesting at the end of that segment because Nia then enters the ring and is standing there in between Natalia and uh, Ronda Rousey. And for a brief moment there, had a stare down with uh, Ronda before raising both Ronda and Natalia's hands. But who knows, that could be a, a rivalry uh, they play up down the road here as you know, Ronda starts building toward more feuds here, whether it be if she eventually has a match with Mickey James or she eventually has a match with uh, Alexa Bliss after... Um, the whole thing with her chasing Alexa around the ring. Maybe Alexa then tries to make the claim that um, that Ronda Rousey is a bully toward her and that uh, the, what Ronda did this week uh, hurt her emotionally and uh, caused her to lose to Nia Jax this Sunday if she's unsuccessful in, in recapturing the uh, women's title. But no, eventually I'd like to see Ronda actually have a match on Monday Night Raw, rather than just save all her matches for pay-per-views and just have her making appearances and uh, uh, teasing, attacking someone, or coming out and defending a friend. Uh, because then that's how you uh, uh, get her more over with the crowd, having her uh, in uh, more matches, because she was, she was impressive in her first match at uh, WrestleMania in that mixed uh tag team matchup how uh, as she starts you know getting better in the ring getting more comfortable with it let, let's actually start uh seeing uh matches on uh raw each week with her instead of her just being a, a special attraction like uh, brock lesnar
Now, one of the great moments of the greatest Royal Rumble that I did not discuss from Friday was what happened when Titus O'Neil entered the match. And it will go down in infamy as one of the funniest moments in the history of WWE. And I still, still to this to this very moment, believe that that was staged. I do not believe that it was an accident that Titus O'Neil tripped as he was running to uh, the ring and slid under uh, the uh, ring curtain there. Because if that was an accident, he could have got seriously hurt. If you remember, that was the side of the ring that during the fatal four-way ladder match, the guys were pulling the ladders out from under, and that that's where the ends of the ladders were. So it, I'm thinking that they removed the ladders from there and purposely had Titus O'Neil do that to um, uh, have the big spill and uh, have uh, something to build upon with him. It, no, it was just an absolutely hysterical moment, especially because you see him running down the ring. Then uh, you uh, flash back the camera on the ring, and all of a sudden, Michael Cole and Corey Graves start laughing. You're like, what the hell just happened? And you, then you see Titus coming out from under the ring. And you're like, what? Titus O'Neil really slid under the ring? I don't think that was done um, by accident there. And I, I will continue to say that until proven otherwise. And, you know, they continue to play that up because that's been a big trending thing on social media the last couple of days with all the gifs that people have been posting, especially one where someone edited Randy Orton into it to do an RKO out of nowhere. And it, it, Titus, he's been a good sport about it because if that was an accident, that can be a very embarrassing uh, moment there. And actually had some good laughs about it on social media, uh, they brought it up on Raw last night as he was recalling that uh, with uh, Renee Young, uh, it was he was interrupted by one of news, Raw's newest superstars, Baron Corbin, who cut in to mock him. Only for later on when Baron Corbin was in a match with No Way Jose uh, for No Way to attempt to get re- revenge from uh, uh, Corbin's attack last week. Titus and uh, the rest of Titus Worldwide came out there to uh, interrupt him and uh, distract uh, uh, Baron Corbin, allowing for No Way Jose to pick up a win. Did a couple things. Allowed Jose to get a win over a guy who's been a prominent character over the last, what has it been, two, three years since uh, Baron Corbin uh, made his uh, debut winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And as well, build the, started to build toward a rivalry here with uh, Titus O'Neil and Baron Corbin, two big guys who really have nothing going for them right now considering Corbin's new to Monday Night Raw. And Titus O'Neil, you've kind of just had him and Titus Worldwide be the fill-ins for for matches uh, or opponents as of late. So now give him a a legitimate rivalry. I mean, uh, O'Neal has, since he's come into WWE, has been, uh, you know, one of their best employees with everything he does for them uh, during his off time, all the endeavors. So, you know, throw him a bone. Have him face one of of these young bucks and uh, help uh, put a guy over being in a, you know, 
I don't want to call it prominent rivalry, but you know something that's featured on television every week, not just something that we we uh, pass over once and uh, never get back to again. Being at the last Raw prior to Backlash, it was interesting the direction they went in for last night's main event, choosing to have Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, how did we get here? As many of you saw watching the Greatest Royal Rumble the other day, it looked like Finn Balor was going to actually win the Intercontinental Championship. Until Seth Rollins comes out of nowhere, leaping off the top rope, jumps onto a higher point of the ladder than Finn, and grabs the title right in front of him. Possibly, in my mind, setting up uh, a future rivalry between the two of them down the road. Now, I just didn't think that this would come to happen on Monday Night Raw, because Seth came out to fire up the crowd, talk about how he's a fighting champion, uh, unlike Brock Lesnar, was going to be here every week, really had the crowd fired up, going uh, strong, and no, the guy's been on a tremendous roll here in 2018, whether it be starting the year as the tag team champions, uh, whether it's uh, winning uh, uh, the two matches in that gauntlet match that they had to start Raw, his performance in that a couple of months ago, his his performance in the uh, first ever seven-man elimination chamber match at WrestleMania winning the Intercontinental title to then this great ladder match he had here. He's just been uh, taking his game up to another rung, uh, being uh, once again proving the to be one of the top guys on Monday Night Raw. And as he's out here uh, uh, displaying the, a strong promo here, again, the crowd all jacked up, he's uh, confronted by uh, Finn Balor, who Finn uh, wanted to uh, face him even it be for the Intercontinental title, even it being six days prior to Backlash, when uh, just after he accepts the, the challenge, they're once again confronted by the Miz Taraj, who since uh, Miz left Monday Night Raw, they've been trying to find a direction. They've been trying to uh, uh, find some guidance. Last week, they tried to, wanted to form the new shield with Seth Rollins. Then they went to Finn Balor and, uh, and wanted to form the Baxel Club. Now they come out and they confront him and want to form a new version of the Four Horsemen and instead wound up getting their asses kicked by uh, both uh, Balor and Rollins. Before an interesting little plot twist here, you have Finn Balor come up from behind and attack Seth Rollins, hitting him with a final cut, leaving him uh, laying in the middle of the ring uh to set up the main event after they had just shook hands about a minute or so prior to the uh, confrontation with the Miz Taraj. Now, anytime you get these two guys in the ring against each other, you're going to get a standout match of the night, a match that even if it's not in the main event spot uh, like it was last night, it's going to... uh, uh, capture uh, uh, the crowd, going to uh, reel them in and 
be what they're talking about after the show. Not the the big six man tag team matchup. Not uh, Ronda Rousey wanting to attack Alexa Bliss. No, this is the match that you came away from Raw talking about. And you know the last. It, it it almost feels like they're spoiling us here now because we've gotten this match what five times so far this year. Earlier this year when Seth uh, brought back the curb stomp, then the the back and forth matches that they had in uh, uh, the month of March, where each one of them won a match. I believe they faced off once leading up to the Elimination Chamber match, and as as well now, uh, the facing off the Raw before Backlash. They've uh, been going at it uh, back and forth for months now, and at first it seemed like... Uh, a bit of show of respect, but last night had a little bit of a of a, a feel like you could see a direction where Finn Balor could eventually turn on Rollins and turn have a full heel turn here, a la what you're seeing over on SmackDown Live right now with Shinsuke Nakamura and his actions toward AJ Styles because uh, early. Early years, you know, Finn Balor always seemed to get the advantage over Seth Rollins. But since them both coming back from their injuries last year, Finn Balor hasn't had much of an answer for Seth Rollins. He had that one victory back in the middle of March when he countered the Falcon Arrow into a roll-up. But uh, so far, he, he's been hard-pressed to... Uh, Finish the job and and get uh, the win over the architect. And you know you, you've ha- you had uh, uh, plenty of uh, amazing moments in this match. Whether it be uh, Seth looking like he was going to do back to back suicide dives through the ropes, only for Balor to counter it with a kick to the face, or you know Seth, one of his classic trademark moves has been the last couple of years doing the superplex off the top rope and complete and then uh, quickly flipping it into a falcon arrow once they're back on ring level. Only for this time when he was going to set it up, Finn Balor hit the falcon arrow on Seth Rollins, and you know they they once again. Uh, as the match started to get to a conclusion, it was a crazy chaotic finish uh, back and forth. Each man uh, eluding uh, the other's finishers. I think on two separate occasions, Seth eluded the coup de grace. Finn uh, avoided getting hit with the with the, the curb stomp once, but eventually Seth was able to prevail hitting the curb stomp. And I, I really do believe that down the road, this is going to lead to a match on a pay-per-view and a possible heel turn here by Finn Balor because he he wants the Intercontinental Championship uh, title that he has yet to hold. He has been so close now on back-to-back occasions uh, beating uh, Seth Rollins and has not been able to get the job done. Failing in the ladder match on Friday and then coming within an eyelash of beating him last night only to fall to uh, the cur- curb stomp again. But hey, it gave a fresh feel for Finn Balor, always playing the nice guy role, always walking, or- walking around smiling and everything. Add a little nastiness to uh, Finn Balor. And you know, w- with how great a chemistry these guys display on uh, displayed on Raw last night, how great chemistry they display every single time they're in the ring with each other, 
This could be you know, a rivalry that could continue throughout uh, the balance of 2018 and be a rivalry uh, that we talk about uh in the years to come saying, hey, remember how that got started back in 2018? Remember how this great rivalry uh, got going with all of those classic matches and led to uh, uh, one of uh, the great rivalries in each man's respected career? No, just just a little something to think about there. But hey, for this uh, Tuesday morning, May 1st, 2018, I'm M3. And this is my opinion. Remember, check me out on Twitter at M3 Rosansky, as well as check out our other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. And as always, tell your friends about our podcast here, M3's Opinion, where they can find us, anchor.fm slash M3's Opinion, or go on uh, the podcast channel and find M3's Opinion, becoming a subscribers so every time I post a new podcast uh, people can check it out and as always you can send me any questions comments opinions at, at any time you want just send a recording through your phone I'll talk to you guys again real soon everybody have a great day peace